Go. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the One British Man English Podcast. My name's Lee and this is a podcast for everyone. If you're not learning English, then Part 1 is great for you. We're diving deep into some interesting topics about people and places, events and life in general. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes there's a guest involved. And if you're a fluent English speaker and have some interesting ideas for an episode, of course, you're welcome to contact me. And you can do that through my website, which is speaktolee.com. If you are an English learner and you're looking for a more natural and less stressful way to pick up some real British English, then stick around for part two because we're going to analyze the discussion in a way that allows you to remember and use what you've learned in everyday life. As you know, I'm also a voiceover artist, so let's add in a little marketing speech. There's no need to pretend that it's natural because it never is. Um, yeah, let's do it. We speak to a lot of listeners who have great ideas for starting their own podcast, but get nervous when it comes to actually setting it up. I felt the same for a long time, until I found Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout allowed me to bring my creative ideas to life. You have a brain for creativity. For everything else, there's Buzzsprout. I use Buzzsprout to host my own podcast, because I can reach all of you guys at the click of a button. Buzzsprout distributes your finished product to all the popular platforms. We're talking Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and loads more. All you have to do is to upload and publish your podcast, and then you can see how many people are listening, which countries the podcast reaches, and you can even monetize your podcast by sneaking in little marketing speeches like this. It's really that simple. Affordable, easy to use, and the best way to grow your ideas. Not Brussels sprout, buzz sprout. Imagine if I spoke like that all the time. No one would listen to this. Um, yeah, that was my exaggerated advertising. But on a serious note, buzz sprout is pretty damn good. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, highly recommend it. I wouldn't use it if it wasn't good. Use the link I put in the podcast notes and you can get started straight away. Just do it, get on with it. You've got an idea, share it with the world and feel free to ask any questions about starting a podcast. I'm always happy to help. Those of you who know me will be aware that I have a lot of hobbies and interests. Most of them come and go like the seasons, but fortunately as a parent, one interest is always present and that's child development. I've always been curious about the behaviour of humans and how they act and react to certain situations, so it's really no wonder that my children are constantly satisfying that interest since they're changing every single day. I mean every single day. Sometimes those changes are heartwarming, sometimes they fill me with fear due to my obvious emotional connection to their lives, but when I step back and I look at their activities in a more objective way, it's always fascinating and it always teaches me something. Today I just wanted to share some stories from the last week about my son, who for this I will call T. He's six years old and has recently transitioned from being a city boy with limited free reign to a countryside boy with a lot more freedom and independence. I've been watching how he handles this change and I'm trying to understand the learning journey that he's on 
in regards to social boundaries. I'll be honest, it's been quite fun to observe. So let me tell you a very short story about one of those situations. Our new house is, let's call it semi-rural. We're surrounded by fields and kids can roam around in a really safe environment. Yet we're only 25 kilometers from the city, so it's perfect for growing children, in my opinion. When we first moved here, I remember saying the words, Hey, now you don't have to stay in a little garden. Now you can go wherever you want. This was a mistake because, of course, six-year-olds also struggle with the meanings of expressions. Anywhere did not mean literally anywhere. It meant anywhere within the silent boundaries created within a community. But that's not how you talk to kids, is it? And you guessed it. My words came back to haunt me. It just goes to prove, really, that even if you're a native English teacher with a love for language, it's still easy to slip up. When you're dealing with people, there are going to be endless interpretations of the words that you speak and the way that you say them. It can be the content, the tone, the timing. It's all important. Is anyone offering any English lessons? I think I need some. So, T went out exploring on his bike with another kid from the village. I remember cycling around as a kid myself, the wind in my hair and actually it was just my fringe because I had one of those weird 90s haircuts. A lot of kids had it. Your whole head was shaved and you just left the fringe flopping around on your forehead. It looks really weird. I hope that comes back in fashion actually, I'm ready for it. Anyway, I was happy that my son was out exploring and feeling that same freedom and independence that I remember as a child. After an hour or so, I went out to look for him because there was grub on the table and his three-year-old sister would probably gobble down another meal if given the chance. So I went to his friend's house, not there. I went to the park, not there. I went to the forest, not there. And the only place I could think of was our neighbor's house, but I was pretty sure they were out somewhere on a day trip. Sure enough, as I approached, T was walking across the neighbor's garden. He had his chin tucked into his chest and he was looking a bit down in the mouth. It was clear that something had happened. I could see that my neighbour had just at that moment returned home. And so we both plodded across the boggy ground to have a little chat. By the way, it just so happens that my neighbour is English too and he's a really cool guy. We get on really well. We actually used to work together as well. And the British connection definitely helps with laughing off any mishaps surrounding the children. It's never a huge problem. We talk about it. We find an understanding. It's great. Exactly what you need from a neighbour and friend. He told me that he came home to find T and the other friend, jumping on their trampoline and climbing up in their treehouse. Now they have a pretty open house policy with allowing kids to play outside their house, but of course it's only when they're home. As an adult, I understand that. Unfortunately, T didn't note this detail, and in his mind, he just wanted to jump up and down and have a good time. Now my neighbour was more concerned that if there was an accident, no one was there to help. And again, these are consequences that are rarely thought of in the mind of a six-year-old. I knew we had to have a little chat about social boundaries, but it would be a calm, educational chat because, of course, there was no intent to harm anyone. Just as I turned to leave, my neighbour said one more thing. He said, I caught T red-handed trying to get into the house with a key that he'd found. He was amused by this. He wasn't angry. So my son had found a key somewhere outside and was uh, breaking and entering into an empty property. 
Oh dear. Now I know my son, he's a sensitive boy who just loves to play, and especially with other people's toys. I asked him what he was doing with the key and he said he wanted to play with the toys in the bedroom. I reminded him that he had lots of toys in his bedroom, lying all over the floor in a complete mess, but apparently they weren't good enough, so he was trying to find new toys. I knew that this was a case of learning the rules and boundaries, and so punishing him for something so innocent would be quite unfair. Or maybe I was wrong. Maybe my son was turning to a life of crime, a scoundrel, a bandit, a robber, a thief. Maybe he was stealing stereos and TVs and selling stolen goods out of the back of a van. This is how it starts, isn't it? First they take toys, and before you know it, they're cranking open the bank vaults and stealing diamonds. I need to stop watching so many movies. So anyway, quite amusing. And how did the story end? Well, the relationship with the neighbours is still intact. The children have learned some important lessons about boundaries. And T, well, he's currently serving 15 years for attempted burglary and trespassing. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. We're going to go over to part two very shortly, where we analyse some of the expressions, the idioms and the vocabulary that are used in that story. And just remember, if you're someone that's looking to develop your English skills and you're struggling with motivation, struggling to find a fun and enjoyable way to learn, give me a shout. I'm giving online one-to-one English conversation lessons. and My lessons are aimed at an intermediate to advanced level of English. Learning English is supposed to be fun, and that's what I'm trying to do in my lesson. We're using your life in the lessons to improve and develop your skills, so it's all relevant and it's all important. If you head over to speaktolead.com, At the bottom of the page, you'll see that you can book a 30-minute trial lesson. It's completely free. Have a chat with me. We can make a plan together and we can move on from there. Now let's head over to part two. See you on the other side. We're surrounded by fields and kids can roam around in a really safe environment. To roam. To roam means to travel or to move about aimlessly in a large area. Let me put that into better context. Often roaming suggests that there's some kind of freedom. There's a lot of space to move around without any restriction. So you hear roaming referred to when we talk about sheep, sometimes about chickens roaming free on the land. And in this case, children. Why not? Children are often stuck inside a school or stuck inside a a city, but my children live in the countryside and they can roam free. Your whole head was shaved and you just left the fringe flopping around on your forehead. Fringe. Fringe. What is a fringe? A fringe, in hairdressing terms, is just the front bit of your hair. That bit that hangs down at the front, that's called a fringe. So you might go to the hairdresser and say, hey, I don't want a whole haircut today. I just want my fringe trimmed. So they just cut a bit off your fringe. There is another meaning to the word fringe. The fringe of something can be the outer edge of an area or a group. So if you live on the fringe of the city, it's not a very common word. We often say the edge, of course. But if you live on the fringe of the city, you are on the outer edge of the city. If you're on the fringe of society, it means that you're on the outside of that group, which is the society. And you might not fit into that society completely due to lifestyle choices, for example. This is often referred to as a fringe group. 
that kind of makes sense with the hairdressing idea, doesn't it? Because the fringe is like on the outskirts of the main hair. Sounds a bit weird, but you get the idea. And you just left the fringe flopping around on your forehead. Flop to flop, 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 flop. I just like saying it, to be honest. Okay, let's look at the word flop. Firstly, we can think of it as a sound. Think about flip-flops. Literally, it makes a sound. Flip, flop, flip, flop. But the meaning of the verb to flop means to fall or to hang or to move in a loose way. So let's take the hair example again. My fringe is flopping in front of my face. It's just kind of hanging or loose and weird. Another example. I had a long day at work. I just flopped on the sofa. But what does the noun a flop mean? It means a failure. Usually we talk about a show or an event or something that you were expecting to be really good and then turns out to be a failure or really rubbish. Let's pretend you're going to a music festival, really excited. You go there and the whole event turned out to be a flop. Just wasn't what you expected. It was rubbish. After an hour or so, I went out to look for him because there was grub on the table. Grub. Grub. Okay, let's start with the slang word. Grub just means food. It's a very British informal slang for food. You might hear a father in Britain shouting to his child and saying, Grub's ready, or there's grub on the table. Come and get your grub. Interestingly, the more formal scientific word, grub, is the larva of an insect, like a caterpillar, that's a grub, or a maggot, that's also a grub. So a grub is some weird creepy crawly, which is basically the opposite of food, unless you're a frog. And his three-year-old sister would probably gobble down another meal if given the chance. Gobble down. Gobble down. I like this one. If you gobble something down, or gobble it up, you can use up or down, is to eat everything in front of you really fast in a kind of wild animal kind of way, like (laughs) that is gobbling down your food. The greedy boy gobbled down the apple pie. He was so hungry, he just gobbled it all down. Gobble, gobble, gobble. And the only place I could think of was our neighbour's house. Sure enough, as I approached, T was walking across the neighbour's garden. Sure enough. Sure enough. This is a nice expression that comes in the middle of some story. So you might explain something that you were predicting or expecting, and then you use this expression. Sure enough, that happened. It's to confirm something that you predicted or were expecting to happen. Put it in the middle of your story. I'll give you an example. We went for a walk in the forest, but we didn't take our rain jackets, even though we knew it was likely to rain that afternoon. And sure enough, the heavens opened and we got soaking wet. And he was looking a bit down in the mouth. Down in the mouth. Down in the mouth. This is an idiom and it describes someone feeling miserable or sad or dejected in some way. If you are down in the mouth, think about how your mouth looks. It's got a sad face. It's pointing down. Oh, he looks a bit down in the mouth today. Something must have happened. Of course, you don't need to use in the mouth at the end. You can just say he looks down. It's also fine. But the full idiom is 
down in the mouth. And the British connection definitely helps with laughing off any mishaps surrounding the children. Laugh off. Laugh off. It's a phrasal verb. And this little word at the end, off, changes everything. If you laugh at something, you all know what that means. Ha 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 ha. You found something really funny. That was my fake laugh, by the way. But if you laugh something off, you are trying to make people think that something is not as serious or important as they think it is. You usually make a joke about it. Let's just imagine that Cristiano Ronaldo said something in an interview that was a bit negative and then he got lots of negative feedback from all the fans and the clubs and just about everyone that loves football and Cristiano Ronaldo just laughed it off. He was just like, whatever. It usually gives this idea that you don't actually care that much about it. It's not affecting you in any negative way or any serious way. I fell over right at the end of the race and ended up finishing second, but I just laughed it off. I fell over in front of the whole class, but I just laughed it off. It was quite funny. Now they have a pretty open house policy. Open house. Open house. Now, an open house as a noun is related to viewing a property. If you go to buy a property, sometimes they offer this open house where the public can just enter at a certain time and look around without being bothered by the estate agent. An open house as an adjective just describes someone's house that is very welcoming and accepts guests anytime. They want people to be in their house. They want it to be full of life. So we have this open house kind of policy in our family. We want the neighbour's kids to knock on the door and come in and feel welcome. So it's that warm, welcoming feeling an open house. I caught T red-handed trying to get into the house with a key that he'd found. Caught red-handed. Caught red-handed. If you're caught red-handed, you've been caught doing something wrong in the moment that you are actually doing it. So if you're trying to break into a house and someone catches you in the act, you have been caught red-handed. Now the origin of this is a bit dark actually. Red hands, it's blood on your hands. It refers to being caught in the act of murdering someone. When I talked about my son getting caught red-handed, he did not kill anyone by the way. He is not a murderer. He's an innocent child. Please remember that. A scoundrel, a bandit, a robber, a thief. A scoundrel, a scoundrel. You may have heard it as a different word, a rascal, kind of the same thing. A scoundrel is a dishonest person, someone who's a bit troublesome and not very trustworthy. But when we use the word scoundrel in terms of children, it's quite lighthearted. You little scoundrel, you little rascal. In fact, sometimes it's a cute little word that a granddad might say to his grandchildren. Oh, you little rascal, causing all that trouble. So again, when I call my son a scoundrel, yeah, he's not untrustworthy and he's not that dishonest. He's just a boy getting into a bit of trouble, exploring the world, making mistakes. First they take toys and before you know it, they're cranking open the bank vaults and stealing diamonds. Before you know it. Before you know it, translated would mean surprisingly quickly. And we use the expression just to emphasise how quick something changes. 
It's not really the same as all of a sudden, because if something happens all of a sudden, it takes you by surprise and you really weren't expecting it. So let me give you an example of how to use before you know it. You're so busy as a parent, focusing on work and children and trying to balance everything. And before you know it, your kids are teenagers and they're leaving home. As always, pick out the words that resonate most with you personally and start pushing them into your English conversations. I find it very useful to create some visual imagery around new words to help me remember them. For example, learn the history of an expression, the story behind it and how it's used in modern day. Remembering a story is much easier than just remembering a random word. If you love this podcast, then please write a review and share it so that other people can enjoy it too. And that's all from me today. See you next time, people. You can go anywhere you want to go. It's a choice, you can take it fast or slow. Wrong or right, nobody has the answer. Black and white, what about all the colors? You can go anywhere you want to go. I'll just sit right here.